0: The conflict in our gospel story this morning is something we are familiar with. Once again, it is between Jesus and the Pharisees over the Sabbath. In this case, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. There are many stories where Jesus supposedly violates the Sabbath in the eyes of the Jews. In one case, he has his disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. He's often healing the sick and casting out devils on the Sabbath. He told the Pharisees that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. They didn't like that either. But when he claimed that he was Lord of the Sabbath, at that they actually tried to stone him and kill him. Now, death, the death penalty was actually, uh, the death was the penalty for breaking the Sabbath. And that's how serious important The Sabbath is to the law of God and the life of the Jewish people. Jesus, of course, who is the lawgiver, who established the Sabbath, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, was not violating the law in these instances. He was actually bringing it to its perfection in his very person and in his very redemptive work, his compassion to deliver and to heal and to set free. The Sabbath is, when you think about it, the very first religious institution. It is the first religious institution. And it is woven into the very fabric of creation itself. Which should tell us how important and foundational the idea of the Sabbath is for our life. The Sabbath is, by definition, one day among seven This one day has been set apart, consecrated. It's not like the other days. There's seven days, but there's one that's not like the other six. This day is holy in a unique way. This indicates a kind of dualism at work in the world that God has made. There's sort of two things going on at once. These six days and then this one day. There's six days in nature and creation and then that one other day, that very special and unique day which exists on kind of another plane. The Sabbath is the seventh day, the consummation of God's creative act and everything leads up to it. And yet, things don't stop with seven days, with the Sabbath day. It's not like you get to the Sabbath day and that's the end. There's actually a secret door. Sort of at the back of the wardrobe. There's something beyond this created order. Something beyond what we see. Something beyond even the seventh day. And the Sabbath itself is that back door. The Sabbath is a bridge which leads to what lies over yonder. You see, there's an eighth day. There's an eighth day which has been hidden. Hidden from man until the resurrection of our Lord. But in the Old Covenant among the Jews, the seventh day, the Sabbath, hinted at this eighth day all along. It was its symbol, its type. It pointed in that direction. So the Sabbath day means two things. It is, first of all, the apex and perfect completion of creation, and secondly, it is a symbol. A bridge of the new creation. The eighth day in which there will be no evening nor sun. Because that day is eternal and God is its light. We can see how very important, how fundamentally important the Sabbath is. When we understand also in the old covenant in the cult of the Jews. That the entire liturgical structure of their life as they worship God was organized around the number seven. To begin with, the seven-day week is an elemental time cycle of our created order, which we still follow to our present day. The Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, every year there are seven religious festivals. Every seventh year there is a sabbatical year in which Israel would let the land rest from agricultural activity. Then after seven of those seven-year cycles... So every 49 years, you have the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, slaves were freed, debts were forgiven, and the land again was given a rest. So the whole context of our existence is time. We live in time and in space. The very meaning of our life is revealed to us in and through our consecration of time. As we make time holy, sacred. Return it to its sacredness since the fall. And we do that through a liturgical life. It's the liturgical cycle and time through which we return time to its sacredness. For us to fully arrive at the Sabbath, I mean the ultimate idea of the Sabbath and fulfillment of the Sabbath is our final perfection in God. And that... Sabbath over yonder is the eternal Sabbath. That comes after the resurrection. When we finally enter into the final eschaton. But in the here and now. What is the Sabbath for us on this side of things? In the old covenant type. It's the final day in a week of days. It's seven festivals in a year. It's a year in every seven years. Seven times seven. But for us. The Sabbath, as it is symbolized by, you know, this passage through time, it's a journey. It's a journey and a passage through this life on which we are becoming fully alive. And so we pass through times and seasons and cycles. And as we pass through them, we are constantly, in every moment, consecrating our life, our time, our days, our moments, to God. We are being present in the presence of God. As we do this, as we pass through this life, there are many side ramps along the way which could distract us. So we need something. We need something to hold on to that keeps us pointed in the right direction. And that's our liturgical life. That's our prayer, the Mass, the office, the the rules of the, of the seasons, especially the liturgical seasons. Jesus began his public ministry when he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the year of Jubilee. And when the Messiah comes, we've entered the fullness. We've entered really the fulfillment of the Sabbath that had been pointed to by the Jews. And we keep that Sabbath now by turning away from the world, by consecrating ourselves to God, and also through a life of virtue and generosity. And I think this is another really important theme, not going to focus on this morning, we're going to hear a lot about it as we enter into Advent and Lent coming up. But in all the cases where Christ is supposedly breaking the Sabbath, He is doing so, in most cases, to set someone free, to heal someone, to cast out a devil, to lift up the oppressed. So the idea of a liturgical life of worship, consecrating ourselves to God and entering into the Sabbath in that way, must be united to a life of good works, to a life of charity, to a life of justice, to a life of compassion. We can't separate these two things, which the Jews certainly did. St. Paul warns the early Christians not to make the same mistakes as the Jews made in the wilderness, and then they failed. In fact, God swore they would never enter his rest. Again and again, we read in the scriptures that they failed to enter God's rest because of unbelief and hardness of heart and disobedience, all three of each are very much tied together. So the Sabbath is pointing also in this life, as we try and enter it now, as we strive to enter God's rest, that Sabbath rest, points us to this future reality that we are seeking and that we are striving to enter, which we will not enter fully until after the resurrection. So the Sabbath is not just sort of something we accomplish And that's it. The Sabbath actually is the means of our perfection. (laughs) Striving to enter the rest is the rest. Which is kind of a bit paradoxical, I suppose. But it's the whole process of wrestling and striving and marching and running and fighting and waging war. In the spirit that becomes our rest. That's the keeping of the Holy Sabbath now as we are on the way to the Sabbath. It's about consecrating our lives to God in worship and in virtue. About fulfilling our liturgical obligation to meet with God on the mountain, which Adam failed to do, which led to his downfall. Our Sabbath is different than the Jewish Sabbath because we're already in it now. Our Sabbath is not the seventh day. It's the eighth day. It's today, it's Sunday, the day of resurrection, the day beyond time, which we've already entered into in the Spirit. And so it is ever-present. And in that sense, even though Sunday is a special day for us, in that sense, every day for us is a Sabbath day. Every moment. Every moment now in the Kingdom of God, the sacrifice of the Lamb of God is ever-present on the heavenly altar before the Father. And we pray every day, and this is how the fathers understood this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. In the Old Covenant, they repeatedly washed and had rituals in order to make themselves clean, because they would become clean and then unclean and clean and unclean and clean and unclean, and they were always trying to fix that problem. For us, it's very different. We have become clean in the blood of the Lamb. We no longer temporarily do things, or do things because we, you know, are temporarily clean. We do have feasts and rites and ceremonies, but our rites and ceremonies manifest what is always and ever true for us all the time. It's a manifestation and a delight in what we have become in Christ. So yes, we continue to consecrate our lives through the keeping of the Sabbath. But it's because that's who we have become. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we are the people of the temple of God, the true temple, and the true and right worship of God. We have been enveloped in the cloud that has come down from the mountain of God. And we have been made partakers of God through the sacrifice of the Lamb. In the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.